Hello and welcome to the Hoop Collective Podcast. We talk about the NBA, which we're doing on Super Bowl Sunday afternoon before the big game. Joining me from Oakland, California, he was with me this week for the trade deadline in Los Angeles, and he was at that amazing Warriors game on Saturday night, which we'll be talking about in just a second, is the Hall of Famer for Manscaped, Mark J. Spears. What's up, Spears? Man, what's happening, TV star? You got your own show? I wouldn't say it's my own show. I wouldn't say it's my own show. I'd say it it airs. That's what uh, I'm going to call it. It airs in the afternoon on ESPN2 on Tuesdays for a few weeks. But thank you for watching, those of us who are watching and always our listeners. Joining us from Dallas, Texas, it's the one, the only, Band McMahon. Howdy, partners. I tell you what, it is nice to be on here with Spears, with Bon Temps, nowhere in sight. I am really looking forward to this. (laughs) You know, both these guys played in the post when they were uh, growing up, both tall gentlemen. You know, they call it the pivot, right? And they call it the pivot because when the ball gets dumped down into the pivot, the big man can pivot on on those on those feet and to create a shot. The pivot, a pivot, is something that happens close to the basket. But Spears on Saturday night against the Suns, I watched Steph Curry execute a pivot from 33 feet away. <laughs> okay, now this guy has obviously got dozens of humongous shots and amazing yeah. shots in his career. We remember that game earlier this season where he shot the ball like 19 feet in the air for that rainbow three that pretty much locked up that game. I think it was against the Celtics. He had a big <laughs> shot against the Lakers that people forget because they lost. Right. So the lake, so the, the Warriors are down by two. Now, by the time people are listening and seeing this, it's old hat and the Warriors are playing again on Monday night. But I just got to pause for a minute to talk about number one, Steph Curry's late game heroics this year. And number two, I mean, Brandon Pajemski with the pass. It was like a, it was like a pass that you would, that you see in a soccer match or yeah. like a great, like, like a, like a, a guy leads out, you know, so the, so the guy's not off sides. He leads out with the ball and it's, or, or sort of like a quarterback throwing a guy open. Pajemski threw Steph Curry open. Bradley Beal gambles over the top, and the ball gets by Beal by. Like people were, were grilling Beal. I go, yeah, I guess. What the was ball that? Gets I mean, by what, he was that wasn't even his man, though. Why well, no? I know. Right, like, uh, so Beal anyway. And but, but I will but, let me let me interject yeah. on Beal real quick. You know, so he's wearing that Batman mask, right? Yeah, he broke his nose or whatever. Yeah, he calls himself Beal Man right now i was asking him about that after the game and he said the mask actually affected his peripheral vision and he believes he didn't have if he didn't have the mask on he probably would have got that still right there but um he also lamented on how beautiful that that pass was by pajinski it was that's one of the most incredible bounce passes i've ever seen like i don't know how the hell he got it there and steph catches it pivots yeah. I mean, holy Moses. All right. Well, let me tell you something, McMahon. I don't know where you're at on your tallies for cojones factor, but let me tell you what Curry is doing this year. Okay. That was the fourth game tying or go ahead field goal in the final 10 seconds of the fourth quarter in overtime this season. Fourth. Now we know that the Warriors, at least going into Monday night, have played 35 clutch time games, less than five points in uh with less than five minutes either overtime or fourth quarter pretty much they've played 50 games at this point so pretty much what 65 68 percent of their games go clutch so he's had uh, unfortunately a lot of opportunities Mm -hmm. so that's number one he's got four of them in the last 15 years i don't know if you saw this stats we could make this a mini trivia question i don't know if you ever you saw this in the last 15 years 
Curry has 12 of those types of shots. So that's the most over the 15 years. There's three other guys who have 10. You guys want to take a guess? Hmm, um, last two 15. Of them, two of them are active. I'm going to guess LeBron. No. No. Okay. No. So hmm. this again, this is go ahead shots, not to tie. Go ahead in the final five seconds, fourth quarter in OT. Damon uh, Lillard. Good guess, but no. Huh. Okay. The the one who's retired, I'm going to guess, is Dirk. No. Wow. We are whiffing away. So, and you Ray know, Allen. McMahon's usually good at trivia. I'm just going to say, so if the guy who's retired is Carmelo. He had 10. Uh-huh. Um, one of the other guys I'm not surprised about because he's known for these kind of shots. Another one is I am pretty stunned about. I'm actually stunned, and I maybe I'm just derelict from remembering it. Um, DeMar DeRozan. You, what's that? DeMar, DeMar DeRozan. DeMar DeRozan is the one that I would have, I'm not surprised is on there. The last mm-hmm. one plays in the Western Conference and will be a Hall of Famer and is a former MVP. Even giving those stats, I'm not Russell sure Westbrook. I did not. Did you know Russell Westbrook well, has done that re- 10 times? So hmm. I didn't know, but one of the reasons, people say he got MVP just because he averaged a triple-double that year. But if you go back and look at Russ's clutch numbers and clutch moments in that season, I mean, he had so many incredible shots that year, including the one uh, the night he broke the triple-double record in Denver when he eliminated the Nuggets from the playoffs with a f- buzzer beater from just over half court to give him 50 in that game and complete a wild comeback. I happen to be there. So that one's <laughs> that that's one of those. There's there are those games that you'll never forget that you cover. There's a lot that you can't remember two weeks later. Stuff like that you never forget. All right. And Spears, one more trivia question before you talk talk about being in that in that game. Being at that game. Okay. So I again, I don't know what he's doing, gonna do Monday night against yeah. the uh I can't remember who they're oh, they're playing the jazz. They're playing the jazz, I think, in Salt Lake. Okay. He now has 43 careers games with at least nine three-pointers i'm gonna let you think think about that for a second because he had nine that that was his that was his ninth of the game 43 with nine three-pointers yeah. of those 43 four have come in the last eight games <laughs> okay he, and he had you know he had 46 in that game against the lakers where they lost in double overtime he had 60 become the second player 35 or older with 60 the other one being against the other one being kobe and his uh Last That's game, mm-hmm. and that was the game that they lost. Those are two losses. That was the game they Pretty lost in Atlanta, yeah. where he was like despondent after the game. Yeah, they're two and four in in games decided by a point this season. Right, so it was have uh, an impact in their final record. Right, also, and they've actually Cajones factor uh, MVP yeah. voting. Right, okay. So here's the little trivia. I'm not actually. I'm not even going to have you guess. I'm just going to tell you. But yeah. so Curry has 43 games in his career of nine threes. Second place is Dame Lillard. Yeah. Want to take a guess how many Dame Lillard has in second place? 20. 13. Wow. wow. 13. Okay. You know, Play's got to be pretty high on that list. Yeah. yeah, I don't I don't have the full list. This is all from Stats Williams, by the way. I still don't give enough credit. We all didn't right. think so you're look, doing research. I, I, of course not. <laughs> all right. Spears. Yes. What was it like in that arena? And what's going on with the Warriors right now? Because they are heating up. I never get tired of watching Stephen Curry play, man. Nope. Uh, I mean, I'm, I'm blessed to live eight miles away used to be two but uh (laughs) from where he he stars and it just never gets old you expect him to make the shot make it it could be a half court shot from the other end of the floor you expect him to make it and uh you know kevin durant kind of said something interesting last night he called him a top five player of all time and i just the the this 
in a weird way, and you mentioned the spin, I feel like he's getting better. He's like being more creative because he has to. They're putting all these longer defenders on him. And it, and it's been an issue. It's It's been a challenge for him because Steph isn't the tallest guy in the league, and he certainly isn't the most athletic guy in the league. So he's had to be more creative. Uh, like, I think that spin is something new that he's adding, uh, doing things where, all right, you're taller than me, but I'm going to dance my way past you to get an open shot. And the one thing that's been really odd to see is that Draymond's back, but in clutch time, Clay's not there with them. That's correct. And mm-hmm. and I, I want to say that, like, other than that last possession at the end where Steph made the shot, and I think Clay was kind of a decoy, and he didn't right. have a good shooting night. Like, Clay's sitting, man. And, Clay and had five um, points in the game. He, he had a bad shooting night, and, and you know, you see – Pazemski basically taking his minutes and the Warriors are now finding success with Curry Wiggins, Kaminga, Green, and, and Brandon Pazinski on the floor. I'm going to tell you how much success. Yeah. They've only played 90 minutes together as of this moment. So that's not a humongous amount, but it's not nothing. Their net efficiency is plus 38. Yeah. So per 100 possessions, they're outscoring the opposition by plus 38, which is why Steve Kerr is putting Clay on the bench, regardless of what yeah. it is. And the other thing is, we can talk about the paint like crazy now too. Exactly, like Kaminga so, has been amazing with that. You are on, and here comes Stats Williams backing you up. Ready? Yeah. Twelve straight games with fifty plus paint points. The longest, the second longest streak in the NBA this season, and the longest streak for the Warriors in twenty-five years. Wow. So. While Steph's making all these threes, McMahon, the Warriors are scoring on the interior. Well, and, and almost all of those minutes that you just mentioned with with pods and that quartet are since Draymond came back. Like 99% of those, literally, are since Draymond came back from the suspension. And look, if you if you take Pazemski out and you put Clay in there, it's not plus 38, but it's plus 20-something and change. Point is, that four-man group with Draymond playing the five, Steph in the game, and you know, call him a point guard. Draymond's the point center, basically. Which you want to put a tall guy on Steph? Good luck. He's going to have to run around a whole lot with a guy who knows how to get him the ball. And then there was this big thing for most of the season. Wiggins was stinking it up, and but it was hey, Wiggins and Kaminga can't play together. Well, they have been able to play together with Steph and with Draymond. And if you look at their minutes. Uh, um, uh, like almost all of the minutes with Kaminga and Wiggins together since Draymond's come back from suspension are with both Draymond and Steph on the floor. And it's been a phenomenal quartet. And hey, Kaminga is a 21-year-old rising star. The guy for a significant chunk of the season now, a pretty significant span, is averaging 20-something per game extremely efficiently. You know, shooting well into the fifties uh, as a six foot seven, ridiculous athlete who is an a phenomenal finisher, and it's working really well with the the two guys that are no brainer Hall of Famers that are still playing at that level. And look, Draymond is back to playing at that level. For some reason, that game, the the <laughs> post game conversation, well, not for some reason, because Nurkic popped off and there was a bunch of antics. Nurkic yeah, well, was like. You know, that that whole thing of like, you know, Draymond doesn't deserve another chance is what I'm talking. Dude, 
as long as he's not smacking guys in the face or put them in chokeholds or kick them in the old cojones, yeah. I don't want a Boy Scout Draymond. Well, let me let me like run through passion. this. Let me run through this real quick. So yeah, that was the first time Nurkic and, and uh, Draymond had been on the same court mm -hmm. since the the swinging. I don't know. I guess you call it a punch. I don't even know what that Smack, was. It whatever. got the big suspension. They started chirping. Draymond got his first tech since he came back. Oh, you gotta love Clay game. on that too. Uh, <laughs> the Clay <yeah>. ball slap. <laughs> that was I, the biggest impact he had on the game, probably. Yeah, I uh, I did talk to Nurkic a few weeks ago and asked if Draymond had ever reached out to him. He said no. I mean, that's now clear. But mm -hmm. um, so Nurkic basically said after the game that it's only a matter of time before he, he hasn't learned anything. And it's only a matter of time before something like this happens well, again. I, I do think that Nurkic kind of poked the bear a little bit too. With oh, his, of course. Uh, oh, he was trying to. He was, no, he was twice to doing the little, the, the little small thing. And I'm like, bro, you 6'12". The dude's five inches shorter than you. Are you bragging about him being small? Like a big isn't supposed to call somebody small. That was kind of weak on his part, man. Like, bro, you're 6'11", 315, and you're going to do the small movement on a guy five inches taller than you? Come on, man. So and then Spears, he slapped the ground. So I'm not calling right. Draymond a saint, but he certainly, well, you what, know, he, he poked the bear, too. What happened was, but you, Brian, Draymond, you Draymond, do the Draymond small got thing the ball. on a dude that's shorter right. than you. Come on, I do it. Yeah. To, I do it to my fifth graders. Yes, you can. Yeah. Well, we all know McMahon is exactly. Heightist. He's heightest Spears. I know you're like six seven, but McMahon is heightest, and it's tough for somebody like me because you know Jackson's like six two, Bontemps is six four, McMahon's six five or whatever. You're six seven. It's hard being out here. Okay, it's hard, and you got this heightest over here. What happened in that game? Show, though. We ain't got our own. Well, I guess I guess Tim got well, us howdy howdy dude yeah. show right. So yeah. So anyway, uh, Draymond got the ball <laughs> like put twelve feet from the basket, and Nurkic acted like he was Russell Westbrook taking a three and turned his back on him and like waited yeah. for him to shoot. And mm -hmm. then Draymond scored, and that's when he slapped the floor. So they were both guilty. But but Spears, what I'm getting to is what Draymond said after the game when he was asked whether he had learned anything since his suspension. After Nurk had said he hadn't learned anything, he was asked what he had learned. And uh, you can say what he said. No, I'll let you say it. All right. He said, yeah, I learned we're pretty bleeping good when I play. And <laughs> I, I will just say that over the last 10 games, again, going into the game at Utah on Monday night, the Warriors have won seven of those 10. Okay. And the reason not, because they, they've won more. They've, they've actually won six of eight. But I'm reason I'm saying 10 is for a reason. They've won seven of those 10. The three losses, one by one point to the Kings, one by one point to the Lakers in double overtime, one in overtime to the Hawks where they got boat raced in overtime, still lost in overtime. Other than that, three, two overtime losses, two one-point losses. Other than that, they've been winning the last 10. Yeah. So Spears, be aware. And they've got lineups that are working. Kaminga's yeah. playing well. Wiggins is playing better. And, and, and to give Draymond some some yes. credit where hey he hadn't had a tech till Nurkis showed up. Also, right? nobody's asking Draymond to win the sportsmanship award. No. Right. Be be yourself, be passionate, be available. Don't do dumb yes. things that get yourself suspended. Yeah. Don't lose control. And for all the and back he's and been forth, doing a, he's actually been doing a good job of that, Tim. I, I give agree. Him credit. For all the back and forth with Nurkic, when I thought Nurkic was trying, Draymond got a T. I thought Nurkic was trying to get Draymond tossed. I thought he was yeah. trying to get a double T. Of course he was. Tossed. Of course so he was. For all that stuff, all the little back and forth, you know who was calm, cool, and execute, executing the clutch? 
Draymond Green. He was hey, awesome down the stretch of that they've game. They've been passing the ball like the Globetrotters, man. And I think that's one of the reasons why they're getting great shots. They're, they're getting layups. They're moving the ball very, very well. Uh, the unselfishness is, is, is amazing. And also, I think they've been better in pods, too, because I think sometimes he could get a little starry-eyed and try to do some things he probably shouldn't do. But in making sure, I'd notice of late that, look, we're going to get Steph the ball and live and die with him. And that's hey. not, and nobody better to live and die with in the league right now than Stephen Curry. Hey, they're the 10 seed, baby, but two timelines is yeah. back on track. Kaminga 21, <laughs> Pods 20, baby. Those two guys yeah. are playing awesome basketball. By the way, still got, two, still GP2 got is back. On. Yes, he, GP2 is back. Yeah, they're yeah. getting healthy. Chris two things. Paul, relatively yeah. soon. Yes, he's getting close. He's, he's working yeah. out. Two things before we move on. One, Pajemski in February, going into Monday night, 41 assists, four turnovers. Woo, 20 years old. That's yeah. rookie. That's like, You don't see that kind of stuff from rookie. That's Chris Paul type numbers right there, number one. He got he got a little uh have you guys talked to him? Have I've never talked to him. No, I've never met him. Oh, he he's got some some spunk to him, some swag yeah. to him, man. He's he's an interesting cat with a great story. Like he didn't even play at Illinois. And I and I asked him, how'd you get to Santa Clara? He said, Well, I put my name in the portal and they called me five minutes later. Wow. And then I I visited and decided to go. But he's like, he's his locker is right next to Steph, and he's like squeezing anything he could get from Steph, man. He's like enjoying every part of it. He's 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 appreciative, but he's not in awe, right? He's respectful, but he's not in awe. And if somebody jokes, he jokes back. But he he mentioned something about how much harder it is to get into Santa Clara. So we, we but he's he's a funny dude, man. And I think the people start getting a lot know a lot more of him, you know, obviously with rising stars and but he's he's a great story. So Steve Kerr was a first round draft pick out of Santa Clara in '96. No more first round picks. Not that they're supposed to have Nash. first. Steve Nash. Okay, sorry, we set that over. Yeah. Steve yeah. Nash was a first round draft pick out of Santa Clara in '96. No more first round draft picks till two years ago. Now I'm not. They're not supposed to get first round draft picks out of Santa Clara. I'm just saying they had Steve Nash in '96, and then and then no first round draft picks. Then two years in a row, two guys taken in the teens: Jalen Williams, in Oklahoma City. Second, I think, uh, 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 rookie of the year, Brandon Pajemski. Yeah. Hello, <laughs> hello, Santa Clara. I want to go back uh, to WCC, that. WCC well. man produces them. Um, one of, one of how many WCC players have been in the league the last couple of years? They've been, they've been. I mean, obviously Gonzaga's helping, but they've been putting some guys in. Who will who forget the classic championship level run that Adam Morrison had uh, coming out of the WCCC? All right. I'm just having fun. I'm just having fun. Just because he was, people made fun of him because he was on the Hey, he does, you know, he does a uh, radio for him now. And he should. For Gonzaga. Because he he's, he's yeah. a classic. He's one of the greatest scorers I'd ever seen in college. More Hoop Collective podcast after this. All right. By the way, Jackson looked it up in our break. Uh, 17 current WCC players in the NBA. That's a pretty good number. Wow. That's a pretty good number, WCC. For a, for a mid-major, that's a, I'm sure they're beating some power fives right now. Well, they always it's always like a thing, you know, how many can they get in? Because, you know, Gonzaga always gets a bid, and, you know, can they get in two or three? So, but the Mountain West, ready. we're going to have six teams this year. won't be my school, but Mountain West <laughs> is pretty good. They could make a run, Spears. Don't, don't count them out. No. <laughs> no. <laughs> um, by the way, I'd be remiss, Wednesday night on ESPN, 
Clippers Warriors. After we talked about the Warriors that whole time, Clippers Warriors. So check that out. We're definitely going to be there on that. All right. We'll be looking. We'll be looking to hear from you. Uh, all right. So also over the weekend, the hottest team in the NBA, other than the Warriors, mm, the Cleveland, scary. the Cleveland Cavaliers. Ooh, LeBron, who their, LeBron, <laughs> who won their ninth straight game, but more importantly, now 17 and one over the last 18 Jeez. games. Another way to put that, they've lost once since New Year's Day. One wow. loss since New Year's Day. Could you imagine if this was the Lakers? <laughs> It'd be yeah. around-the-clock programming. And that game, by the way, was at Milwaukee, mm-hmm. which they avenged two days later. Exactly. So they've beaten every team they've played in the New Year's. Drubbed Year. the Clippers in Cleveland. And they this did. was this was without two of their four foundational players for much of that stretch. Yeah. They have Darius right. Garland back now. They have Evan Mobley back now. They're fully healthy at this point. But, but so this is in a this month and a half of dominance. Right. So in this stretch of 18 games, they are third in offensive efficiency, which is amazing because when Garland and Evan Mobley went down in early to mid-December, they ranked like 21st or 22nd. Mm-hmm. So over the last 18 games number three in offense, number one in defense in that stretch. We know the Clippers have been playing great. We know the Celtics have played great defense all year. We know the, the Timberwolves have played great defense all year. They are number one in that stretch defensively. And the the thing okay, the thing about them is that I'm just going to go over the teams that they've played in this stretch. I'm not going to read every one, but here's why it's a little bit hard to quantify. So out of this 17-1, and one, they've played the Wizards three times. They've played the Spurs twice. They played the Nets, who are in a terrible free fall, twice, including once in Paris. Uh, they've played the Raptors twice. They've played the Pistons. They've played the Bulls. They've played the Grizzlies. The you know, there's sort of quality wins in there are the one game in Milwaukee, which they split up there. They beat the Bucks at home once, but Giannis didn't play. They beat the Kings at home, but it was on the second night of a back-to-back. At the time, the Kings were 10 games over 500, but you know what I'm trying to I'm just trying to be fair. They and beat the, the Clippers. The Clippers, the Clippers win Clippers. was was bona fide with a capital B. The Clippers won nine of ten in that stretch. They were six and one on that Eastern road trip, including winning in Boston. Uh, anyway, the Cavs also won in Orlando in the stretch. I think they won that game by uh, by 26 points. Okay, that's the thing. The other side of this streak, guys, is that in this 17 out of 18 games, okay, so they've had a soft portion of schedule. They've outscored their opposition in this 18 games. By 303 <laughs> points. Oof. So, okay. So you're not playing the 97 Bulls every night. But you're slapping the teams that you are playing. Mm-hmm. And forget about all the numbers. When you actually watch them play, the ball moves. All of them can shoot threes. They run around like crazy on defense. They pass and relocate, pass and relocate, pass and relocate. There have been times in the fourth quarter where they need Donovan Mitchell to bail them out. But for the most part, they move the ball and work together as a team. In this in this uh, uh, twenty game stretch, Donovan's averaging twenty nine seven assists. He's basically played point guard for the large stretch of it, and five rebounds. Jared Allen eighteen points, thirteen rebounds in these last twenty games. McMahon four double doubles this season, and like he's had something like seventeen out of the out of the last twenty. McMahon. Okay, you can you can say that they haven't played the hardest schedule, but what do you say? They're they're out. Their style of play is amazing, and they're kicking people's butt. If you win seventeen of eighteen games in the NBA, I don't like at a certain point we we we're not going to dismiss it with schedule because they've had some big time wins in there. 
Donovan Mitchell has been playing like the Bontem straw poll. I put Donovan Mitchell on my ballot this time. Uh, he, he's little hint playing. that the straw poll is coming. Little little drop. The straw poll is coming. Yes, uh, stay tuned for that. Uh, Jared Allen, you're a terrible campaign manager because you were lobbying to get him into the All Star game, and then as an injury replacement, he's been playing at that level. And then again, Darius Garland's recently back. Evan Mobley's recently back. Mobley's still on this minutes restriction. He's playing 24 to 26 a night, um, not closing a lot of games because of that. As, as is great, that the reason he's not closing the games? That's I mean, my that's, understanding. That, that's my understanding. I mean, that's what they're saying. Okay. But. That's my understanding. Now, I, you. so let's get to that. Because the, the question is, hey, are they better off playing with one big? I mean, you can point to some numbers that say that yeah. they are, right? Jared Allen running pick and roll with Donovan Mitchell with uh, three shooters around them. Woo, they've been cooking doing that. You know, Mobley can – Mobley's – basically a center who plays a lot of power forward. And then the the offense numbers with them together, even during this stretch, aren't nearly as good. Now you can say, well, they're also playing against the starters, yeah, so on and so forth. The biggest question there is obviously the spacing. And it's not a huge number. It's still a small sample size. But boys, in the last five games, Evan yep. Mobley's six of 10 from three-point range. Now, again, you know what Evan Mobley's defensive rating has been in those five games? Uh, like, probably not enough to to run a fever. What is it? You're right. <laughs> it's 98. 98. I, yeah, yeah, that's what I would guess. So, just to put it in perspective, he's played 28 games this season. He has shot 10 threes over the last five. He shot 11 Ooh. in his first 23 games. That's right. And I'm not saying he's going to shoot it at 60% clip. Obviously, he's not. But if Mobley is a willing and able three-point shooter, a willing and even average three-point shooter, that just bumps the potential up so much for the two big lineups and it affects the spacing so much because he does a lot of other things really well offensively. He's a great finisher. He's a really good passer. He makes the right plays. So his recent uptick in attempts, as much as makes in attempts, I think is something to to really keep an eye on because that's what I think can bump the ceiling of this team up to real contender status. You know, you mentioned uh, Spider for MVP. We got to start talking about JB Bickerstaff for Coach of the Year. Yes, yes, I think the guy who was under he's heat doing a lot incredible. Of this year. Exactly, he's doing an incredible job, guys. He almost got fired. Say what you want. I mean, yeah. You know, they can debate about it and you can debate the word almost and they can deny it or whatever. J.B. Bickerstaff was on a hot bleep mm -hmm. seat. And if he had had a bad few days at the wrong time, he'd have probably gotten fired. So and to to rebound from that situation, to have this team playing brilliant basketball. I mean, you just watch him. And I agree. February ain't May. OK, yeah, and, yeah. and they got a blemish on that resume from the way they played in the playoffs last year and it was not a shining uh, performance by jb bickerstaff amongst the failures in that postseason but my god spears you are so yeah. right in bringing that up yeah and he's, he's done a lot opening up their offense and keeping on an elite you know defensive approach and i'm just really you know now that garland's starting around back in the form let's see how much better they could get obviously there was some talk about you know, and then it's going to continue about Allen and Mobley and, mm -hmm. you know, whether they're good together, whether they play together. 
I don't know, man. Like, the numbers are the numbers. They can only play who's in front of them. And obviously, New York got better. And we talk about the Bucks all the time. We talk about Boston all the time. Cleveland's interesting. And Cleveland has size. That matters. And, well, uh, they, and they, they did an eye it, on them. Max Struess, George Niang. You know, they made yeah. they made Yeah, they made a point, yeah, they made a point though, to address the, sh- the size shooting uh, mm-hmm. issue that they had. Um, I tell you, another guy who has quietly been a a major factor in this, and it's a guy who's been hammered on as a as a bust, Isaac Okoro, former number five overall pick. It, it it was pointed out to me, hey, there was a stretch where they played pretty close together: James Harden's Clippers, Damian Lillard's Bucks, and De'Aaron Fox's Kings. It was pointed out to me, go go look at their numbers in that game and just know that Isaac Okoro's elite on-ball defense had, was a major factor there. Teams are still going to sometimes put their center on him. They're still going to sag off him. He's, he has been shooting the three a lot better. But when you talk about a team that has been outstanding defensively, you, you've got to mention him as well. Isaac Okoro is an all-defensive team candidate. He will probably not make the all-defensive team because he hasn't yet done it for long enough and he's only been a part-time starter. He is absolutely an all-defensive team candidate. Secondly, his rookie year, this is his fourth season, his rookie year, he shot 29% on threes. He's now up to 38%. Now, he doesn't get guarded out there that much, but absolutely, he's anyway. he averages eight points a game. He's not a guy who gets a lot of attention. The other guy, uh, Dean Wade, who last year had his, the Cavs signed with an extension before last season. They really believed in him, had a shoulder injury and his shoulder was never right afterwards. And he just couldn't shoot. Well, he's a big who can stretch the floor. And so this is what I always say. This is what I've been saying about the Cavs for a while. One point guard, one big man, three shooters. That's how they got to play. Okay. And what that means is that the, the, the floor is spread and the ball moves. That doesn't mean that you can't play Allen and Moby together. And it doesn't mean you can't play Garland and um, and Mitchell together. But that means that those guys got to play those roles. And if Evan Mobley can prove that he can be declared a shooter, and I don't know if he can get there because you're asking him to do something he's never, he has not proven to be able to do. Because before he got hurt, he was having the worst shooting season of his career. His shooting had gone the opposite direction. He was shooting in the paint great, but he was he wouldn't even shoot outside eight feet because he just wouldn't make it. But though, but that that one one three formula is what JB Bickerstaff has gone to that's worked, and especially since just about everybody they put in the game can defend, um, and even the guys who are on the perimeter like Mobley and Garland, who or, um Garland and, and Mitchell, who maybe aren't great. When you have great basket defenders, it it covers up for them. What's what's happened is basically JB has gone with the three the the three one one approach other than the start of the games. And he's paired Mm -hmm. Mobley and Garland together and Mitchell and Allen together. And at the end of games, it's been Allen out there without Mobley. And they've been taking Mobley out with about seven minutes to play. Now they've been doing that because he's coming off mid-season knee surgery and they can say he hit his number. And it's a very, both things can be true. They cannot want to mess with their spacing down the stretch. And they can also say he's run out of minutes, but you play him the minutes that you play them to, to set out that way. So they're kind of punting the ball down the field, but I have seen not one iota of anything from Evan Mobley, except for determination uh, to make this work. And in this last five games, and they are playing at um, against the uh, 76ers on Monday night. So we'll see um, he's averaging 18, 11 and three and a half assists in the last five games. He is playing great. 
even under these circumstances with the minute restriction. That's with the minute restriction. He's averaging 18 and 11. He was not averaging 18 and 11 before without the minute restriction. And something else I want to say, Spears, because the Knicks have had injuries, you know, the Knicks lost to the Pacers uh, over the weekend and the Bucks are going through their their drama and the 76ers are, are dealing with the injuries to Embiid and other players. The Cavs have opened up a nice little lead on the number two seed as we sit here today on Super Bowl Sunday. They got a three-game lead on the Bucks in the loss column and have a good chance of winning that tiebreaker, okay? There are four games ahead of the Knicks in the loss column, and they're five games ahead of Philly in the loss column, and they play them twice in the next 10 days. They could blow that out the water. And to me, the getting the number two seed is huge for the Cavs because if you're the two seed, not number one, you get to play a play-in team coming out of the gate. The Cavs had struggles in the first round last year, and you don't want to you want a low-stress first-round series if you can get it. Number two, of the teams there, and by the way, they they could walk down Boston. They're five back. I don't think they'll get there, but I, I'm just I don't want to rule. You know, people in Cleveland will get pissed off at me if I say they can't get the number one seed. But okay, but they'll, they'll really, get mad at you regardless. <laughs> you're right. Really, Won't be the first time. Cleveland, Milwaukee, New York, and Philly, and this is with all due respect to Miami, but those four are playing to to to, to get to Boston in the conference finals. And if if you're the Cavs and you can get that two seed, you have home court against all of them. Hmm. in that situation. So Spears, this is what's on the Cavs plate right now. Now with uh, Philly and New York additions and Indiana, like the East is interesting, man. I like it, but you're right. Like Cleveland has to hold on to that number two spot. It'll be really valuable for them. And I, I actually also really like what you said about that first round, like get some confidence in the playoffs. Beat they're somebody. still bruised from the way they got the Knicks stepped on them last year. They're still, yeah. they're still hurting from that. But I, I mean, I feel like Milwaukee's going to get better. And the thing is, can Cleveland keep this pace? I don't know. Yeah, I, it's, I mean, it's 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 hard to get excited January, February. You know. Yeah, I, 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 I kind of feel like Milwaukee's going to catch up to them. They're going to get better. I think the All Star break for Doc Rivers is going to be big. You know, having some practices to work with the guys and. So Cleveland could be mad at me. I, I think Milwaukee's going to end up leapfrogging them. But let, let, let's right. see what JB and company can do. More Hoop Collective podcast after this. So, Spears, you mentioned Milwaukee and the way that uh, you think that they're playing. They made an interesting move on trade deadline day. So, you know, there was 39 players traded. There were 16 trades. A lot of stuff happened. It was mostly backups, but, you know, one of the small trades that sort of made a big impact and certainly put up a lot of eyebrows in the league was Milwaukee acquiring Patrick Beverly, who joined the Bucks over the weekend. This is remarkable for a number of things, but specifically because of his long-running feud with, and it's hard to fill in the blank here because there's so many of them, like Dylan Brooks <laughs> and Pat Bev. Like, uh, But anyway, with Dame Lillard, they've said some things about each other. They've mocked each other. They've gone head-to-head. Beverly uh, is just as much of an irritant, frankly, as Dylan Brooks is. And part of his game is to get under the skin. And, you know, he's gotten under Dame's skin occasionally. And Dame has sent him home, as he's made clear to point out. But it's kind of an act. I mean, you know, the Bucks might not frame it this way. I'm not saying Doc would say it this way or John Horst, their GM. But it's kind of an act of desperation. They're just they're free falling defensively. They have almost no assets to acquire anybody. And basically they were like... Who and out of the 450 players in this league are we can we get who can defend? And there was like a real short list, and Beverly was on it. And if it pissed off Dame, 
so be it. So Spears, what did you think when this happened and how do you think this is going to go? <laughs> First thing I thought about is Dane. Like, what is he thinking? Um, I, I still see Pat Beverly beating his wrist for the broken watch, right? And yeah. <laughs> Dame's comments about him afterwards, were, which were certainly has some East Oakland cut to it, man. Like, yeah, you know, yeah. he cut him pretty bad. And so I'm going to tell you guys this story, man. I don't, I don't think I've ever shared this. And, Brian, you might be familiar with, you know, there was a player boycott with the Denver Nuggets. I'm, it's going to make sense. Stay with me. Uh, when I was covering the Nuggets and James Posey was on the team. And make a long story short, Posey didn't like a quote I had from him, but Posey was on the record. And uh, there were some things I probably could have done better as a younger journalist, and there's things he probably could have handled better. But we really had a bad beat for a couple years and didn't really speak. I end up covering the Celtics beat. Posey's on the team. I go to Italy for training camp with the Celtics. And before we... We went out there at dinner with Doc and, you know, kind of told him about how me and Posey had been on odds. And just, just to be clear, this is <clears throat> this is when the Celtics have just acquired Garnett and Ray Allen. Yeah. This is the and beginning of Posey Ubuntu. Posey was new there too, right? <laughs> so this is 2007. We're in Rome. And so Doc's like, well, I'm going to make sure you guys fix that and get past that. Yeah, okay, whatever. First day of practice, Doc, Doc goes, Spears, come here. James, come here. Y'all go sit in the corner and talk this out. Figure this out. <laughs> like, I don't play for the Celtics. Like, I'll just follow me out. But he knew that I was going to be around the team the whole season. And he, so I, I give Doc credit. And me and Poe's been good ever since, man. I love Poe's great dude. And he's, he's back in NBA coaching now. My point in Washington. telling this, yeah. My, my point in telling this story is I'm sure Doc, if there's anything, he's going to make these two dudes sit down and figure it out for the betterment of the team. If, if oh, and look, he hasn't done it already. And Pat uh, has practice in this. You think his beef with Dame was bad? Yeah, he literally sent Russell Westbrook to the operating room to start their exactly. long running beef. They went back and forth more than he did with Dame. Yeah, it didn't work out well from a uh, you know, success standpoint with a team with the Lakers, but those two guys got to be tight, you know, they got to yeah. be buddies. And I don't, uh, I'm not saying that I'm not saying that Dame, I, I don't know that Dame's going to dinner with him today. Yes, you know, but <laughs> I know that Dame wants to win, and he'll do what's better, what's best for the team to win. And he said yeah. that pretty quickly after that. Yeah. He made a point like, "Hey, man, I just want to win games." So I don't know that Doc needs to do what he did for me and James Posey. Maybe he did. Be interesting to ask him. But he, Doc Rivers, always gets a lot of hate. Man, I, I really think he's a one of his strengths. He's a great people person, and. He'll make sure that those two dudes are on the same page for trying to win. And he knows Pat Bev. He coached him yeah. for a while with the Clippers. And look, Dame is, first of all, he's, he's a grown-up, right? Yeah. Like, And he's a smart Super guy. professional. Yeah, right? who can look at the Bucks and be honest about, man, if there's any team in the league that needed a guy who can come in and be a pest on the perimeter defensively, it's the Milwaukee Bucks. And – Say what you want about Pat Bev and all his antics, this, that, and the yeah. other. He's still one of the best defensive perimeter pests in the league, and the Lakers are an exception. Every other stop during this guy's journeyman career, the team that Pat Bev goes to tends to immediately get better. I mean, the Bulls even played That's well right. with Pat Bev, and if you can make the Bulls look good, you're really doing something Listen, right. Listen, man, he, it was like four teams ago he was on the Timberwolves. The Timberwolves players still talk about 
what it was like to have Pat Pat Beverly there. He he there are some there are some teams that kind of don't want him. Like remember last year he got traded to the Grizzlies? Yeah. Or was it the, was that the was Grizzlies? a couple years ago? Last year was the Jazz. It was a couple years before that was the Grizzlies. He was like, he was like, hey, Memphis, here I come. And then like 10 minutes later, he's <laughs> no, 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 gone. No, 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 no. Let me, let me, let me ask you <laughs> no, no, no. this then. <laughs> we'll, so, we'll sh- I hope you didn't ship anything here. We'll reroute it to Minnesota. <laughs> why do you think he keeps getting moved in? Because he's a pain in the butt. <laughs> yeah, so that's on. like, it's a weird balance, right? But but small a small sample size of Pat Bev has proven to be very uh at least has more often than not been very effective you don't i think in minnesota there were concerns about pat bev as the voice in the locker room that everybody listened to (laughs) yeah well well, they didn't they didn't keep him you know they had him they loved him and they said goodbye like that but they benefited from his presence he instilled a, a a toughness and a nastiness in that franchise you know he celebrated the 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 plan uh, victory like they won a championship but look that was a monumental achievement for a minnesota franchise that had yeah. been in the frozen tundra and, and he beat a, a team time. he was emotional about right so yeah was that part too. well look doc knows him from the clippers he knows exactly what he's getting and he, and he also knows what he's in for as jackson says he's a hustle mercenary the one thing i'll say i do think that the the bucks there are small little signs that they may be finding a little bit of their footing defensively. The numbers don't really back it up. But I do think that there is belief there that the processes are getting better. I, I don't know if it'll work or if that's just what they're saying to get through this tough time. But like you, you know, said, Spears, yeah. I covered Doc's first win in Milwaukee, the one that clinched him the honor of coaching the All-Star uh, game. <laughs> uh, but in that game, he they were so proud. They threw this trap on like Luka lit him up in the first half Mavs go up 25 they throw this trap on him in the third quarter they felt like it really kind of got the Mavericks out of their rhythm the players were I don't know what the name is but Doc related the players were chanting the name of the you know what they call the trap in the locker room because they had just installed it at the practice the day before you know it didn't prevent the Jabs from scoring 40 points in the fourth quarter on the Bucks the very next night but uh, you know, it's it's a it's a very strange, unique situation of a proven championship coach who's trying to install all his stuff midway through the season on a team that's basically championship or bust. All right, so you went to an interesting Mavericks game over the weekend, McMahon. Uh, they blasted the Oklahoma City Thunder, a uh, a great, uh, a really quality, high quality win for the Mavs with their from their first game with their. Two new players, P.J. Washington and Daniel Gafford. Before we talk about that, over the last 12 games, again, going into Monday, through the games of Sunday, 12 games, Luka is averaging 37 points, 10 rebounds, and 10 assists. There's a couple of stats here, a couple of history stats. Stats Williams again. He's the third player to average a 35-point triple-double over a 12-game span in NBA history, joining two guys. Oscar Robertson and Russell Westbrook. Bingo, bingo. Bang, bang, as uh, as Mike Breen would say. Uh, all right, how about this one? He's scored or assisted on 57.4 points per game this season. The most entering the All-Star break in NBA history. All right? He's about uh, eight-tenths of a point ahead of this Hall of Famer. He did it in the early 70s. Tiny Archibald. 
You already saw these stats. I well, I've seen some. I didn't see those <laughs> ones in particular. I've seen some. Yeah, he pulled that one out. Uh, he pulled Tony Archibald right. out like he was his buddy in college. <laughs> no, me. Like he yeah, got the first of all, I would never so. be buddies with a guy nicknamed Tiny. <laughs> yeah, I know. Trust me, nobody whose name is Tiny who's not ironic wants anything to do with you. The way you're such a heightist. All right, Harden has been close a couple of times. One of them was his MVP year. The point is, McMahon, Luca's been playing awesome, and now Kyrie is back. And the, the Mavericks have some reinforcements. We talked at length the other day. The cost of the reinforcements is a is a in-depth discussion and a little bit worrisome. Let's put that aside for right yeah. now. We'll worry about that in 2029, 2027. You saw the first game with these two guys. You saw Lucas playing. Where are we at with the Mavs? Yeah, and look, like we don't even have a small sample size of Luca. He's basically 35, 9 and 9 for the season, efficiently. Uh, he's playing the best basketball of his career. He's in the best shape he's been in since probably his second season, if not, uh, you know, during his career period. Um, and then Kyrie being back doesn't necessarily cut Luca's minutes, but it does make those minutes less taxing. You know, there are times when Luca can be off the ball, when he doesn't have to bring it up, when he doesn't have to just grind for every inch that he gets on the floor. And look, with Gafford and Derek Lively will be back soon, if not already by the time this uh, airs on ESPN2. Then, but with Gafford and Lively, they can always have a really good rim runner. And, you know, and Lucas said it, and he said it with a smile, but he basically said, and hey, rim, we finally got the backup. Rim protector. Yeah, and rim protector. But Lucas said, we finally got the backup center I've been asking for for three years. And I'm like, dude, <laughs> Dwight, Dwight Powell's locker stall is still like a couple feet away from you, bro. Like, geez. <laughs> <laughs> but it's true. Oh man! What they, kind of shoes does Dwight Powell wear? That's the most important thing. <laughs> he like, wears Kobe get those uh, Euro Jays, right? <laughs> you know, he's a Kobe Grinch's baby. But and look, Lively's for like for, the Thunder played like crap. That's a fact. But Lively came in, played 17 minutes off the bench. I'm sorry, Gafford came in, played 17 minutes off the bench, had 19 and 10, and it's just wild energy. Literally, the first offensive possession that Daniel Gafford played. In a Mavericks uniform, what else would it be? He caught a lob from Luca. <laughs> you know, there will be more of those. And PJ Washington uh, came in. He also came off the bench. He will be in the starting lineup sooner than later. He's going to be their starting power forward, or at least that's the plan. Yeah. He hasn't been a great three point shooter over the course of his career. He's going to get a lot of really open looks playing with Luca and Kyrie. Uh, what he can do, which is something they really didn't have before is he can attack a closeout. He can attack a scrambling defense off the dribble. If you're going to blitz Luka and it's an advantage basketball situation, he he can put it on the floor, get in the lane, and finish. And that's something they just have not had uh, at that position. So the Mavericks definitely got better with those trades. That doesn't mean they didn't take massive risks down the road. But one way to look at it if you're the Mavericks is, dude, massive risks down the road, you have to take you have to take risks because if you don't, and you're basically telling Luca, hey, we're not going to take risks, try to give you as good a chance as possible to win, you're guaranteeing a bleak future of him saying, this ain't my place. So the most important thing about the trades, other than the fact those guys made an immediate impact, is Luca is excited about them, fully on board with those decisions. Yeah, um, they had 11 dunks in the first game and 66 paint points, both most of the season. So, and look, I mean, there have been times where they're, 
their rotation has not been filled with plus NBA players. Is that a fair thing to say? McMahon? I would say I'm there's just... been times when they've had guys who shouldn't be on the floor out there. Yes. Yeah. And now so, they, now they, they, they're legit 10 deep, you know, I don't know when Dante Exum's back, but they have legit depth of like quality proven NBA players now. Well, look, and they're excited look, about them too. I still think, I still think that it will be an upset for them to get out of the first round. Certainly, I think it is within the realm of possibility that they can climb out of the play-in. They're an eighth now. You know, their goal for the rest of the regular season should be to climb out of the play-in. But, you know, and I, I will say this. If Luka's playing at his best, then they're always going to have a chance because he's one of a handful of players in the league who can just absolutely dominate a playoff series. Well, I will say this. You know, you look at the teams in front of them. The Clippers are playing great. Denver is the champs. Oklahoma City and Minnesota have been at the top the entire year. Phoenix is ascendant. And they look behind them, and the Lakers and Warriors are taking flight. So yeah. they got to go. Like, yeah. they, they, they don't have a choice. They don't go. It's not even so much what they can achieve. They're going to get left in the dust. So they're entering a new era, and we'll see how it plays out. Uh, thank you for some great conversation. Really enjoyed it with you guys today. Not just saying it. Really, really liked it. Felt like got to get you and Spears together more often, McMahon. Hey, that anytime, was, that's a sub. That's like a subtweet that I just yeah. did there. No, I'm I'm just going to straight up Adam. Anytime Bond him's <laughs> ain't around, I enjoy it as well. All let, right, let, let, let Tim. Yeah, come on. Man. <laughs> thank you to Spears. Thank you to McMahon. Thank you to Jackson, our producer. Thank you for listening to and watching the Hoop Collective podcast. We'll talk to you soon. Adios, amigos. Thank you.